With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. The question is, is darts really a sport? It was the worst tackle I've ever seen. Fair play to Joe Root, it was a great knock. There's nothing like a good derby match. It was easily the best 7-9 I've ever hit. Right, come on lads, let's crack on. Hello and welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast with me, Adam Millerchip. I'm joined as always by my colleague and good friend, Nigel Boot. I'm also joined by our two co-hosts, Tom and Thomas, who are both students at Technol Wood Special School in Wolverhampton. So just to remind our listeners, Technal Wood School is a school for children and young adults with autism, and we have set up this podcast to provide our pupils with a fantastic opportunity to speak to a range of sports men and women on a weekly basis. So boys and Nigel, how are you all? We're doing fine, thank you. <laughs> good, good. I'm delighted to say we are joined by a special guest today, singer, actor, producer and host of his own talk sports show and big football fan, Johnny Owen. Hi Johnny, how are you? I'm very good. Thanks, Adam. It's a, it's a delight and a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Johnny, what have you been up to this week? Well, this week, Tom, I've um, I've been preparing for a show that I do every Sunday on TalkSport, which is called Johnny Owen and Friends. So just preparing the guests uh, and the subjects that uh, will be addressed or I'll be talking about on the show. I also write a weekly column for the Times newspaper uh, that goes out every Sunday. So I've been writing that this morning. And then I head down to London uh, tomorrow, uh, after I've had my jab, I've had my second jab tomorrow, lads. Show my age yeah, now. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm getting that sorted. So, yeah, this week, Tom, mostly just preparing for the um, talk sports show, the Times column. I also do a lot of work for Nottingham Forest Football Club. I live in Nottingham for part of the week. Uh, I look after their media and communications and stuff like that there. So just been doing stuff like uh, pre-season ticket sales and also preparing sort of like stuff for the manager because... I think there'll be a busy summer of transfers and whatnot. So, yeah. This podcast of ours is, is pretty new and it's it's similar in a way to a radio show. How do you find how do you find TalkSport? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 something that uh, I think you get used to over time, Adam, with, uh, you know, experience and stuff. You speak really well, you know, as long as people can understand you and they can see that you're passionate about the subject, 
I think that's the most important thing, you know. I, I've done it for many, many years now, nearly 20 odd years, you know, but I still get a little tingle, a little buzz when I start doing it, you know, and I can make mistakes and I can have to re-record stuff even now, you know, and I've done it live on air. I've got things wrong. Uh, there's a seven second delay button uh, on TalkSport, where if you say something wrong, they can press it and they can get rid of it. And for the first time ever, about three months ago, I swore. I said the F word just in the middle of something, and I don't know why I did it. I was talking to Nigel Clough, Brian Clough's son, and I just went F in the middle of the sentence. And luckily, they've got this seven-second delay. So, yeah, it's just something that uh, I think, you know, you, you learn over time and you learn to sort of, you know, become better. But I don't think there's ever a time when you're perfect. I think it's a, a constantly evolving thing, you know. Definitely. Well, keep practicing, boys. Absolutely. Johnny, this is a sports podcast, uh, but briefly, I'd like to move away from sport and talk a little bit about music. Oh, yeah. Because you formed a band uh, in the 1990s, was it? Which, in my view, is the best time for music ever. Yeah. Uh, and you're in the Pocket Devils. Would you mind just talking uh, to us a little bit about that, please? Yeah, of course. I was in a band. I, I was in my late teens. Uh, I'm from a town called Merthyr Tidville, which is in South Wales. And uh, I was really into sort of indie music. I loved the Stone Roses and the Happy Mondays when I was sort of like in my mid-teens in the late late 80s. Uh, and then you gravitate towards similar, you know, people with similar tastes, Nigel. And, and there were some lads in the my town who were playing guitar. I played guitar. Uh, the lad that I was very friendly with, um, he was a better guitarist than me, so it was decided that I would play the bass. So I ended up on the bass, he ended up on the guitar. Um, and then we found some other like-minded people and, and we kind of started just playing gigs, really, the classic story, you know, playing the local pubs and people started to follow us. Uh, and, you know, the era was fantastic. It was right in the middle of Britpop, you know, Oasis arrived, Blur. So there was a big appetite for bands, you know. So there was lots of venues to play and lots of bands to support. We were very lucky. We even signed a record deal. And we didn't oh. quite make the top 40 we got in the top I think we got to number 72 or something um, but we had a great time you know we sort of toured with some big bands I played with um, In Excess and uh, Catatonia and Stereophonics all those kind of bands and it, that was kind of like my gateway I think that's the modern term for getting into media work really I was I was in this band I was used to performance I was in that world I'd got to know people in Wales you know people that worked in you know, drama and music. Uh, and I ended up sort of acting from there, really. So it was something I really enjoyed and really glad I did. Like you said, it was a great era to play in. There was some fantastic music. Uh, it was a great sort of um, atmosphere around at the time. And, um, yeah, that's where my roots were really started in a band. Who were your music influence? Like, where did you get inspired from? Well, I, I, do you know, Tom, that's a great question. When I, was a, when I was very young, I had an older brother, Chris uh, and he was great. He was he was six years older than me, so he was a punk in the late seventies. So he was really into the Sex Pistols and the Clash. Uh, but he also liked a band called the Jam, who were what we call a mod band then, with Paul Weller as the singer. So I I really got into the Jam, and because I got into the Jam, I read a lot about Paul Weller, and he told us all about a band called the Beatles. So I really got into the Beatles then because of the Jam. So I really got into sort of like. 60s stuff this is in the mid 1980s and, and I was like really into it and I learned the guitar trying to listen to the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and the Kinks um, and then like I said I met this other lad who was into very similar stuff and that's why we ended up forming a band so I think my two biggest influences were definitely the jam Paul Weller and the Beatles. What about you Tom are you into music? Yeah um, I've always been into uh, multiple genres but um, I also really respect the past like I like multiple bands um, 
very few music I like nowadays. It's more I'm more into stuff from the past, to be honest. So who who's your who's your favourite? Uh, well, I like the Beatles. Um, I also like Nirvana. I also like Coldplay, uh, and I also like uh, Gorillas. Yeah, brilliant! Some great bands there. Some good bands there, Tom. Man after my own heart. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had some great bands as well in my day. My favourites would be ABBA, Bee Gees, The Beatles, Michael Jackson, you name them. <laughs> oh, I love all them bands, Tom. Love them all. I'm a massive, massive Bee Gees fan. I was listening to the Bee Gees this morning. <laughs> yeah, it was, honestly. Fantastic band. Love them. What about you, Nigel? I know you're, you're dying to say something about music. Yeah. What's your, your favourite, Nigel? Oh, gosh. Uh, I mean, uh, like Johnny, the Jam uh, and the Beatles are massive bands for me. But like I say, the 90s for me, that was the time then music to me really came alive. Uh, you start, you, know, you had the grunge movements. Yeah. Uh, and you had some fantastic bands from America uh, come through, like Nirvana, like you said. Uh, Mud Honey were another band that I loved uh, from that era. And then you have Britpop as well. And yeah. so as just as grunge began to wane, you have Britpop. And like you say, you had bands like Oasis come out, uh, come through. You had Blur. You had The Verve, Garbage. There, there's so many great bands from that era. Uh, and to me, I, it just hasn't been the same since. That was a great time. I, I agree totally, boys. Yeah, I think that was the gold, one of the golden eras of um, pop music, wasn't it? Are there any kind of TV shows and films that really stand out as having a sort of big impact in your career? The biggest thing that happened to me was there was a very famous author uh, in, from the 90s uh, with a big book called Trainspotting. His name was Irving Welsh. Um, and he, he cast me in a, a, a pop music video that he was doing, funnily enough. Um, and then we became very good friends. And then he wrote a few things that I did that uh, did really well, you know, things like Wedding Bells for Channel 4 and a thing called Dose for BBC. Um, and then from there, then I kind of got like other stuff, which was like mainstream series, like My Family and Murphy's Law, and I got Shameless on Channel 4. So it was kind of like, it was kind of a progression, really. But the thing that really started me off on that kind of like pathway uh, with acting was I did a series in Wales called Nuts and Bolts uh, back in the um, mid-90s. And uh, I'm going to show my age now, Tom's. But uh, this is the time. There was only four channels on the TVs then, I think. <laughs> oh, I, I remember that. Too. I know. So so it was on, uh, we used to call it HTV in Wales. It was called, it's called ITV Wales now. But it was on this channel at 7 o'clock. It was a drama series called Nuts and Boats that ran for four years. And I, I got to be very well known very quickly in Wales because there was only a few channels and lots of people used to watch this TV series. And from that TV series, you get what you call an agent, and then the agent gets you auditions for different things, and then that's how you get more acting work, really. So I'd probably say that it was a Welsh television series called Nuts and Bolts, strangely, from the mid-'90s that gave me my start and then sort of set me on my way, I suppose. Have you turned down any jobs that you now regret? Like, That's a great question, Tom. Thursday <laughs> morning. <laughs> right. Do you know, the, nothing in the acting sense. My only... Regret, I suppose. But I think, you know, the thing with regrets is is that the past is the past. You've just got to leave it there. You can't change it. So you've just almost got to move on. And I've often thought that sometimes things that I was disappointed I didn't get, I've realised now were for a reason. And I got something else maybe a few weeks later and things like that, you know. So I don't think there's anything that I thought, oh, I wish I'd done that. The only possible thing, if I, if I could change anything, was that when I was in a band, uh, the band were doing really well. 
Uh, and then I went and I got an acting job uh, and I went on to that for about, you know, nine months, I think. So that meant I had to leave the band. I probably would have stayed with the band just a little bit longer or just kept playing because I really enjoyed that. So my my possibly my one one regret uh, is that I should have stayed in the band a little bit longer just because I enjoyed it and I really liked the lads that I played with. But, um, ultimately, I've been quite happy with where I've ended up and the choices I've made. And I think a good bit of advice I always say to people is wherever you are at this moment, don't worry about the past. You can't change that. That's gone. And in the future, that's already off in the distance. Just enjoy living in the moment. Just enjoy what you're doing right this second. Like this now. I'm having a great time. Really enjoying it. I'm just going to enjoy this. Good bit of advice. I can say that's superb advice, that is. Uh, when... When when you were a teenager, you were a boxer. Why didn't you pursue a career in boxing? Oh, I tell you why, Tom. That's a great question again. Because it hurts when somebody punches you as you get older. <laughs> and I realised I realized quite quickly, lads, that you have to be really, really good to be a top, top boxer. I mean, I was okay, you know, I did well. and I, I won fights and I won a a Welsh boys club's vest and all those kind of things. But I can remember fighting somebody very, very good and getting punched at my brain going, I was about 15, wow, that hurt, you know. <laughs> so I had a bit of a moment of thinking, you know what, I really enjoyed boxing. Again, I'm still friends with lots of the lads that I boxed with. I'm really glad that I did it. It kept, taught me about keeping fit. It taught me respect for other people. It taught me not to anyway be a bully never to use it, you know, outside. I just think it was a really, really good thing to learn for a young man, you know, to box. And um, I'm really glad I did it, as I said. But ultimately, if you want me to answer that question, I wasn't good enough. (laughs) (laughs) I see there was Johnny Owen Boxer from Merthyr, wasn't there? Is that, you named after him or was that just a coincidence? Interestingly enough, kind of. um, My name is Jonathan, but obviously nobody calls you Jonathan, do they, you know, when you've got a name that long. So, in Wales, there was a boxer called Johnny Owen. Because I was Jonathan Owen, just I think I was about five or six years of age, people just started calling me Johnny um, because he was Johnny Owen and quite well-known, you know. And it kind of stuck, really. And even to this day, my mother is the only person who calls me Jonathan, especially <laughs> if I've done something wrong. Uh, and and even now, people, if they ring the house phone, they'll go, is Johnny there? And she'll go, no, Jonathan is here. <laughs> well, that's, that's mother's view, isn't it? In my opinion, Johnny, the greatest team in the world, Cardiff City. <laughs> what's, your, what's your earliest memory of, of Cardiff and how did you become a fan? Well, what, it's just, it was just my uh, local club, Football League Club. Simple as that, really. Um, I was born in Merthyr Tidville, which is about 24 miles north of Cardiff. Merthyr had a really good non-league football team. Cardiff had a league team. They weren't particularly good at that time, but they were the local league team. And my father and my grandfather and my great-grandfather, who obviously I'd never met, just all watched Cardiff and Merthyr. That's what they did, you know. So it was kind of a natural thing, really, for me to be taken to watch Merthyr play and then to go and watch Cardiff play. Uh, Cardiff was a little bit more, um, how can I put this, a little bit more edgy, a little bit more dangerous in the 80s. So I wasn't allowed to go to Cardiff on my own, certainly, until my sort of mid to late teens when I could go with some mates. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was purely just... A geographical thing and a national thing. It was where I was from and it was the local team. Who was your footballing hero and why? That's a great question. I really loved a player called David Giles, who played for Cardiff and then he played for Merthyr. He played for Wales as well. I always loved Giles. I was lucky enough to get to know him as I got older. On a world stage, I would probably say that it was like kind of Ian Rush and Mark Hughes. They played for Liverpool and Manchester United when I was a kid and they were Welsh players. 
that were known across the world. So they were the players that I would kind of like mention when I went on holidays as a kid in a Wales top and that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? But locally, my favourite players were for Cardiff, it was David Giles that first season that I went. Good choice. Supporting Cardiff over the years, John, has been ups and downs, lots and lots of downs, but there has been a few ups. <laughs> what's, what's your standout memory? What's your maybe your favourite game you've been to or a highlight of watching Cardiff over the last couple of years? Well, there's been so many, really, you know, and even strange games. I was talking to somebody the other day, there was a game that Cardiff got relegated against Bury in, I think it was 1990, uh, and we, re- we relegated this game, but the thousands went, and the atmosphere was fantastic because that was like kind of being a Cardiff fan, and we were, you know, chanting the team, even though they'd gone down. It was an amazing day. But the day that I most remember, Adam, that I, I look back on most fondly, was the FA Cup semi-final against Barnsley. It was just a magical day. You know, I went with great friends. It had snowed that morning, so it was like a white blanket as we drove up the M4. We beat Barnsley. Uh, Joe Ledley was a much-loved, you know, Cardiff lad, scored the winning goal. And I can just remember the celebrations after the game were amazing, you know. But my favourite moment of that day was we got back to the Seven Bridge and there were massive queues because there was tolls then. You had to pay to get across the bridge and there was quite a lot of cars and buses. I didn't know that a lot of them were full of Cardiff fans, but my mate in the car started going beep, 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 and somebody went, Sere. Anyway, he kept this going, and loads of cars joined in, and all the people started getting up the buses and dancing on the tolls, and the toll people were laughing. And it was just an amazing, spontaneous moment of just joy. And I'll never forget that. And I think that was my favourite moment watching Cardiff City was on the toll bridges of Bristol. Two hours after the game, people just dancing on the motorway, you know, because they got to an FA Cup final. So, yeah, that was my favourite moment. I think that's the wonderful thing about football, isn't it? How it just brings people together like that. And you, you, know, you just get everyone just all together in this moment of absolute joy. And it's just yeah. an amazing feeling. It's yeah, not it, one I've uh, seen many times with Walsall in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> but when they come, Nigel, it'll be well-deserved. Well, absolutely. It's, it's all the more special for us, isn't it? Can I ask quickly... Who do the two Toms support? Have you got football teams, lads? Um, I support Wolverhampton Wanderers. Wolves yeah. Good lads, good lads, good Wolves. It's a great football club, Wolves, the fantastic history, you know, and I, I'm really pleased that they're back up there in um, in English football again. They deserve to be. Uh, it's nice yeah. to see, actually, the five people on this podcast, we all support our local team. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get very often. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Well done, boys. Good for you. How do you think Cardiff City will do next season? I think we'll be all right, Tom. I tell you why. They've got a really good experienced manager, Mick McCarthy, who made a real, uh, who had a real effect when he came into Cardiff this season. Uh, they, they got a really good bounce um, and they nearly made the playoffs after being in free fall when a lot of people were worried they were going to get sucked into a relegation battle. So I think they've got a really wise head there. I think he suits Cardiff City. Uh, we love a good, solid, organised manager. We're not the kind of team that particularly would be interested in flashy football in our history. We like winning football. We just like p- people to put the ball in the net. Uh, that's why Neil Warnock was such a great fit for Cardiff. You know, it's just we like those characters. And also they've got a fantastic striker who, in my opinion, is probably the best striker in the championship. Uh, we've got to keep hold of him. He's called Kiefer Moore. He scored 20 goals last season, more than 20 goals. And he was injured for a few weeks as well. I think he's a terrific player. They also had a very good number 10 called Harry Wilson playing just behind him. They got on loan for Liverpool. If they can possibly get him back, that will be massive. Uh, Yeah, like I said, I think, you know, Mick will will 
get rid of the people that he doesn't want, get the right people in that he needs the way he plays or for the way he plays. So I think they've got a chance next season. Genuinely, I think they've got a real chance, certainly the playoffs. Uh, but the most important thing is keeping hold of Kiefer Moore. I think Adam would agree with that. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of scouts. I've heard a lot of scouts. Um, I've been uh, trying to, trying to watch him and try and bring him in. I'll tell you a story that not many people know. I tried to get Nottingham Forest to sign Kiefer Moore last summer. It's the only time I've ever done it. But he went to Cardiff and didn't blame him. But what was interesting was that uh, there was about seven or eight clubs after him. Um, and I think it'll be the same this summer. So if we, if we can hold on to Kiefer Moore, um, you know, that'll be all the better. I didn't mind the fact that he went to Cardiff. If you could have dinner with three people, who would they be and why? Got to be alive, Tom, or can they be from any time in history? Uh, any time. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a really good question. I'd probably go for a, I'd go for a bit of a Welsh slant as well. Then I'd go for Richard Burton. I think Richard Burton would be a good laugh. He was a Welsh, famous Welsh actor. I think he'd be an interesting guy to uh, to have a few beers with and a bit of a meal. John Lennon. I'd like love to meet John Lennon. I was a huge. Fan of his, and also there's a guy who was a really famous Welsh politician who was called uh, Anirin Bevan, and he was the main architect of the National Health Service. He was the man that implemented and put it through. And I think he's one of the most important people in world history because the National Health Service, as we've all seen, especially this last few years, how important that is to uh, to society and to life, and to you know, to how important it is to our very fundamental well-being. So I'd love to meet him. You know, and, and also say to him, look what you did, what you created, look how many lives you changed and saved over these, you know, 100 years or whatever it is. I think it's about 75 years. So, yeah, Richard Burton and Adam Bevan and John Lennon. That'll do me. Are you cooking for them, Johnny, or are you ordering takeaway? Or takeaway. Curry. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, that's my that's my takeaway of choice, curry. I know you do a lot of very nice curries around where you are in the black country. So, yeah, I think if the meal was there, I'd have a recommendation from you boys. Got a bit of a sports quiz for you. Okay. <laughs> it's called, but is it a sport? And okay. what we've got, we've got some sports, uh, yes. back in weird sports, some of which we've totally made up. Right. Some of them <laughs> are absolutely real. Is it a sport? Is chess boxing a sport? <laughs> chess boxing. So in chess boxing, mm -hmm. uh, you simultaneously play a round of chess. Yeah. And then the next round you box. <laughs> and so you can win by either being knocked out or getting checkmates. Is it real well, or made up? Well, if it's not real, that should be a sport. That's a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> can you imagine going back to trying to think again after you've been hit on the head a few times? So somebody, if it's not a sport, Pete and that, Nigel, let's get it out there as a sport. So I'm going to say that that's a sport. Somebody's got to have thought of that because that's great. Is it a I'm sport? afraid we can't pay to it. It is actually a yeah. real sport. Very I good. think I definitely want to be a, a better boxer than I am at chess, though. <laughs> yes. This is an interesting one. Underwater rugby. Okay, so it's rugby, but it's played underwater. But is it a sport? Or have we just made it up? Do you know, that's great again, because there's so many underwater things. That I don't know, there's like bog snorkeling. And there's so much stuff people do, don't they, underwater and things. I'm going to say that's not, not a sport. Not a sport. I'm afraid it is, yeah. They have a sport <laughs> And there is a sport called underwater rugby. Johnny, oh. thank you very much for playing. I was rubbish. I only got one. <laughs> very good, lads. Very good indeed. 
It's been an interesting few weeks in the world of football, Johnny. So Man City yeah. won the league recently. Leicester yeah. won the FA Cup. We've yeah. had the, the Super League that's been and gone very quickly. So let's start with the Premier League. Do you see anyone competing with Man City next year? Or are they just, just too good? I believe that Chelsea, with this new manager, has done a terrific um, response since he's come in. I think they could be strong next year as well. And Liverpool probably won't have... You know, the, that dip at home, certainly they had this year. I think they lost five or six on a trot. That's not going to happen. That wouldn't happen, in my opinion, with a full Anfield anyway. Um, so I would imagine that um, Liverpool and Chelsea, certainly, in my opinion, will be a bit stronger. Manchester United, you know, they need two or three players, in my opinion, to really be challenging Man City. But it is hard to see past Man City, Adam. Um, I still think Man City will probably win the title next year. But I think it might be a bit tighter because of Liverpool and Chelsea. What about the, the Super League? Johnny, do you think that was a, a non-goer shake from the start or do you think it will make a return? Well, it's, it's an interesting question. I, mean, I think when I seen the announcement on that Sunday night, I thought I genuinely thought it was a bit of a joke. I was a bit like, that can't, can't be right, you know, because I think there's something fundamental in all us, if you're football fans, that we just all agree in relegation and promotion. And I speak to you as a Cardiff City fan, I've seen his team relegated quite a few times and Merthyr. It's a horrible experience, but I wouldn't change it. Because that's football, you know. And I think the, the big thing for me was, once you, and I understand there's an American system which has franchises and there's no such thing as relegation there, but that's a system that's grown up in its own culture and own history over a century. In, in England and Britain, you know, there has to be relegation and promotion. There has to be that opportunity. Now, people would say to me, well, you know, mostly the top teams win things anyway, so there's no real difference. But we still have to have that dream. There still has to be the idea that a Nottingham Forest, for argument's sake, can come in the late 70s and the Brian Clough and win two European Cups, you know. Because all the big teams still existed then, Juventus, Barcelona, Real Madrid, you know, they were all in existence. But Nottingham Forest were able to do that because they had a great manager. And I believe that there should always be the opportunity for a team to come from nowhere and win things because that's what makes sport... Exciting. I mean, as a Welshman in 2016, I went to the Euros and Wales got to a semi-final. It was a ridiculous thing. But ironically, them and Iceland became the story in that tournament. And people, you know, watched it across the world in their millions. Because I think in our hearts, a lot of us still love an underdog. We still love, you know, want somebody smaller to beat somebody bigger. I think it's just something that appeals to the human condition, I believe. And I think sport has to still have that element. And the European Super League, didn't have that. And I think that's why there was such a fast kick up by it. Looking at the FA Cup, it was nice to see Leicester, a different team, different team win it this year. What's your kind of FA Cup memories? Have you got any? I know one that stands out for me as a Cardiff fan would definitely be, I think it was 2001, third round, Leeds United, Indian Park. Was it Scott Young with a 88th or something minute winner to beat Leeds? Yeah. So I think top of the league, at the t- top of the Premier League at the time. So that's definitely kind of my, my FA Cup memory. Is it one that stands out for you, Johnny? Yeah, I was at that game. It was an amazing atmosphere, that game. And um, lots of Leeds fans say to me that was the start of their decline over that decade, really. They kind of finished fifth that season, didn't qualify for Europe and all that kind of thing. But yeah, that was an amazing day. It was just electric atmosphere and that was the old FA Cup. And you had a feeling, didn't you, that Cardiff were going to compete that day, you know. And we ended up beating them, you know, and they were top of the league. Um, I, I, one of the first away games I ever went to was Bristol Rovers with Merthyr in the FA Cup. It took a few thousand Merthyr. And again, the atmosphere was absolutely sensational. It was the FA Cup. It was the local derby-ish, you know, because they're the West Country and we're South Wales. Um, and that was a really strong memory because it was one of my first games away. And when you go away, it's like this whole new experience. So, yeah, I mean, kind of like for Merthyr, it would be definitely that Cup game against Bristol Rovers. Uh, and for Cardiff, 
I, I spoke about it earlier. That semi-final against Barnsley was was fantastic. The whole cup run that season, that game against Middlesbrough where we beat them up there was sensational. Um, but I think, yeah, it probably would be Leeds, wouldn't it? That's a great shot. I think that's the biggest. Oh, no, there was a game against Manchester City where we beat them 1-0 where Nathan Blake scored. That was a great day. That was an amazing day because they were in the top flight then and, and nobody expected Cardiff to, to have any kind of chance. So, that, again, that's the magic of the FA Cup. Cardiff against a big team and they go and win 1-0. So, I'll say on this one, the game against Man City with Nathan Blake's goal. And I love Nathan as well. He's a top lad. What are your plans for Nottingham Forest? Well, I'm just, I kind of, I'm on the board there. Um, and so, like I'm saying, there's, there's a good manager in now. He's got a guy called Chris Hooten. Got great experience. Nottingham Forest are a big club in the championship. There's a lot of big clubs in the championship, but it's a very difficult league to get out of. There's some great football clubs in there, uh, like Cardiff, for a good example. They'll be very strong next year. Um, so, you know, the plan is, is that, you know, to leave Chris, bring his bone players in um, and to give him a run. He's got great experience, Tom. He's taken Newcastle up. He's taken Brighton up. So you've just got to trust him. So our job really is to make sure that he has the tools available to him that he can do that, you know, budget-wise, what players he can get in. Um, and then I look after sort of the media side of things. So just kind of oversee social media and communications. I've got a brilliant guy that works with me, a West Country boy, actually, called Matt. And he kind of like does the day-to-day run of the club, oversees all that. And I'm there just to sort of be, you know, be the guide really above him. But ultimately, Tom, the idea is to get Nottingham Forest promoted. But uh, it's, no, it's no easy task in the championship. And a lot of things have got to go your way to make that happen. Did you go to the Euros in 2016? I did, Tom. I went I went to every game except the England game. And there was a reason why I didn't go to that one. My missus, Vicky McClure, who's away filming in London, she was in a series called Line of Duty. And one of her co-stars is a guy called Martin Compton. He plays an Englishman in the series, but he's actually Scottish. Right. A very strong, strong Scottish accent, which always shocks people when you meet him in real life. <laughs> and being a Scotsman at that time, of course, they hadn't qualified. So we decided to get married on the day Wales played England. So I had to <laughs> fly back from France for that game to Scotland for the marriage. And then I flew back. Well, I got a train back out again. And I'm quite glad I missed that game because obviously England beat Wales in injury time. It was a great tournament. Nobody kind of expected Wales to go as far as they did. So everything was... Um, was a bonus. And I, do you know what was brilliant about it, lads, was there was just no pressure on Wales. And there's not, there's next Euros, nobody really expects, you know, Wales to win every game. We're just going to enjoy being there, enjoy being part of it. And you know what? If we do manage to get through, then fantastic. It's a bonus for everybody. So, you know, that's what the way I always felt in France. I just felt that everybody was out there on a holiday, really, having the best time. And I think the team were a bit like that as well. They were almost on a bit of a jolly. And often when that happens... And it all calms down. You know, great things can happen. And that's what happened. Wales ended up sort of playing in the 49th game of a 51-game tournament. If somebody told us Welsh fans we'd be playing in the 49th game of the Euros, we wouldn't have believed it. But it happened. And uh, it was, without a shadow of a doubt, the best summer of my life, 2016. I loved it. I just want to take you back to, to one game in particular in that tournament. Wales-Belgium. Yeah. Carl Robson Canu, middle of the box, turns, past Courtois, what was it like being in the stadium when that goal went in? It was amazing. Uh, and, and there was this weird thing happening where there was a sort of growing belief from the team and in the stands among the Welsh fans that we were, we were in this, that we had a chance. Now, remember, Belgium were the tournament favourites at that point. 
So, you know, they had this ridiculous side on paper. You know, everybody from De Bruyne to, to Hazard to, to Fellaini was playing for them. You know, it was ridiculous. Wales really, you know, were playing with a, a right back from um, Reading and a, and a centre forward who was out of contract at Reading during <laughs> Al Robson Garrett. But we were in this game, you know, and we just seemed to grow into it and the fans had this sense of belief that we could win it. But nobody would have expected a goal like that to have been scored. But what was great was he scored the goal. And then, of course, Wales were under a bit of pressure because Belgium were pushing forward, as you'd expect. Very good in possession, you know. But then we scored this third goal. And as any football fan will tell you, when you score a goal in injury time that puts you those two goals in front and you know you're going to win, it's probably the best feeling you're ever going to have as a football fan. Because it's it's that relief of going, we're, we're going to win this. And it was that third goal that when that went in, that was just a moment where I was like, we've just beaten Belgium and we're in the semi-finals. And I'll tell you a true story, which is very funny. My great mate Alex, who was next to me, fell to his knees and burst into tears. So we all jumped on him. <laughs> we all knew what he meant because it was just the relief of Wales winning meant that he just burst out crying in the stadium. So it's what we all remember, really, is, uh, is our mate on that third goal especially, just falling on his knees and, and, and crying. Uh, it was a wonderful moment. So, boys, we've come to the part of the show where we would like to speak to another podcast. I've been contacted by Dan Cianci from Pennsylvania, and he hosts the Daily American Podcast. Hi, Dan. Thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm good, Adam. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Good. It's my pleasure. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. What is it and, and what do you talk about? The Daily American, essentially, I just interview people from all walks of life and share their, their struggles and their perseverances. It's a non-scripted podcast. We just have a conversation, you know, a little bit about their background. And I'm a firm believer that a lot of people struggle with things on a regular basis, whether that's, you know, PTSD from from war or an addiction or a disease or, you know, a critical illness, a death, uh, a death of a uh, a parent or a sibling or a loved one. And we, we dive into those, those situations a little bit, analyze them and, and really hear what it takes to, to overcome those circumstances and, and move past them, putting one foot in front of the other and finding ways to persevere. And I think, I think those stories are key. Brilliant. Well, thanks for that, Dan. That sounds like a really interesting podcast and I'll definitely check it out. Right. Let's get back onto the podcast. Cheers, Dan. Thank you. So we had a question, a question from a, a listener. And if you do want to get in contact with us with any messages in the future, our email address is twssportspodcast.hotmail.com. But our question is in regards to, I'm sure you've had over the last month, thousands of questions about this. Line of Duty, as you mentioned. Hello, Johnny. I'm a big fan of Line of Duty. And I just wondered, did you ever think that your wife was H? That's a good question. I didn't think she was H. She would never tell me, and nobody ever believes me on this, but she, she wouldn't tell me. And I don't ask her. I watch it in real time with the um, with the rest of the audience. The only possible thing I do is I do pause it every now and then and say to her, why is he there? And she goes, remember in series two? And I go, oh, yeah, yeah. So it's like having my own sort of series Bible next to me where she can direct me. Um, but no, I didn't think it was her. There was a time in the last series where I thought it might have been um, Hastings because of the trouble he was getting in. But no, I didn't think that there was a, it was Vicky. I did know this series that she was going to go 
you know, outside the department and then get dragged back in. Um, but no, I never thought it was Vicky ever, and she wouldn't have told me anyway. <laughs> I read in an interview, uh, John, that uh, she actually received the script for the, the last uh, season, and she said, are you interested in it? And you said, no, <laughs> I want to watch it in real time like everybody else. I wanted to watch it with everybody else, you see. So she was like going, I know the ending. Would you be interested in knowing? And I was like, nope, don't tell me. Temptress, I'm all right. And I, and I watched it with... Um, with the rest of the country, and I quite quite enjoyed doing that because I enjoyed really enjoyed seeing the reaction and and things like that. It, it got so ridiculous in the end, lads. You love this. The BBC and newspapers were saying to me, "Will I come on and talk about it?" And I was going, "I'm not in the series." But yeah, they were asking me to come on. But um, no, I, uh, I I politely refused. Do you think, or do you hope there's another series? Well, it'll be interesting. I think I think there's a, a, a strong demand for it, isn't it? You know, there's lots of people want it. I think the writer Jed Mercurio, who's another West Country boy, he's a great lad. I think he's from Cannock. Um, he um, he's a genius. He's a fantastic writer. He does that. He does Bodyguard. So I think you know there's an appetite for it. I think it's just down to Jed. I think it's down to the writers to decide whether he wants to go there one more time or whatever. Um, but for me, it should be his decision. I would say Jed, whatever you want. To do. One more quick game, very famous game. Who am I? Yeah. So I'm just going to read out a bit of information about this person, and I want to see if see if you can guess who it is. I signed for Cardiff City in 2006. Right. I scored 56 goals for Cardiff. I've also played for both Newcastle United and Sunderland, and I left Cardiff City and rejoined them a few years later. Michael Chopra. Chops. Uh, probably, probably our. I would say out of my best striker of the last 10, 15 years, I'd say. I'd say so. I used to love watching him and Bothroyd up front. Yeah, Bothroyd. That was a great season. Thank you so much, Johnny, for taking the time to chat with us today. We really appreciate it. You didn't have to do it, and we really appreciate you coming on, taking the time to spend with us, chatting about your career, chatting about sport. So I want to say thank you so much, and it means so much to us as a school. Really appreciate it, so thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. And, and like I said, uh, I've really enjoyed it. Did brilliant. The two Toms, two Thomases, and you, Nigel. And if you want me to come back on again in sort of like six months or a year's time, just let me know, mate. Very happy to do it. No problem at all. Brilliant. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. So, our next podcast, boys. Any idea who's coming up? Yeah, I'm glad to ask Nigel. So, our next week's show, we have a footballer who played 61 times in the Premier League. He made 307 appearances for Wolverhampton Wanderers and 185 appearances for his hometown club, Shrewsbury Town. He also played a big part in Wales' success in the 2016 Euros. We'll be joined by the one and only Dave Edwards. That is a fantastic guest, Adam. Uh, can't wait. Our TWS Sports podcast will be released every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. The TWS Sports Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and many other podcast streaming apps. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.